0: All right, people, you know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Band. It means, yes, another episode of Unfiltered coming at you right here officially. This will go down as episode number 108, another episode of October Unfiltered coming to you live here on a Monday as we are set for the World Series. The Houston Astros will host the Philadelphia Phillies who had that in their scorecard or perhaps with our good friends if they betted such. At Bet Online, we'll get to them in a second, and get to you right here. As always, you could jump on board the unfiltered revolution at Casey Stern. Along the way, very simple when you're on Twitter, and you get that Casey Stern, you can get into the bio, and you can find my YouTube channel. You might be watching us there, here live, where we're noon Eastern every day throughout the course, including weekends, throughout the course of the World Series until the conclusion of this 2022 baseball season. You also can jump on board and find us at the Believe YouTube channel, and of course, Apple, Spotify, and everywhere you get your podcasts. If you're belated and not with us live, you could jump on board as well. We got a ton to get to here on the show. Mike Stanton going to join me here in a few minutes. My buddy Jody Mac, Jody McDonald, is tapped into Philly as anybody. Going to join me, how how jacked are the folks in Philadelphia about uh, how many times did they watch that video? I love viral videos. We put things together. If you haven't seen it on Twitter yet today or Instagram, the video of Bryce Harper's home run with the Moneyball uh, score backdrop of it, I had to watch that three times, and, and I'm a Met guy, so it tells you it's pretty powerful stuff. We'll get into all sorts of things. Setting up the World Series today here on this show, you can always jump in. You get us a couple of ways here live and interact throughout the course of the show. Live on the chat, if you click open the box on Twitter, you could jump in there. Or over at my YouTuber Believe, you could jump in and chat with us live. We'll get your answers and questions and responses and predictions. Looking for those, how do you see this series going? We've got a few days to get ready for it. You think four hours of uh, preview coverage of the Super Bowl is is bad? When you're sitting there wondering what commercials are going to come on, we got five days worth now. We remind you right here though that basketball is now back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. Always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over Bet Online. As your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline's got live betting, free contests, giveaways, all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way. Bet all your favorite sports and events, whether it's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. Simple. Get over to BetOnline.ag. That's BetOnline.ag. You join, you get a 50% welcome bonus. How about them apples? For your first deposit, make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. To get your rewards, it's bet online where the game starts and we get started by saying that yes the phillies and the astros are in the world series not sure anybody had that and the first thing i want to discuss and get into today and i tweeted this out this morning it's always my favorite part in getting a chance to be at and, and cover i don't know i think 16 world series in a row was it, you you always feel like and this is how it works as a media member right you are charged with covering one side of it. Whether I was doing TV or radio, and for a lot of years, both, you're on one side of it. And just like a fan of a team is, if you're a fan of the Phillies or the Astros, when you cover that side of it, I guarantee you, because I could tell you what happens, happened to be every year, you get to the site, two days before, so they'll get there Wednesday. Thursday, they'll have media day where you watch all of your players with scrums and tons of mics in front of them. And I can tell you that between all of those, all of the media members are talking to each other and they're saying the following. Dude, nobody's beaten this team. Which team? Well, the team I covered, I was on the AL side. I was with the Astros, on the NL side with the Phillies. Nobody beating this team. They're on a run. They're on a roll. Their momentum is too much. And clearly a difference separated 19 wins, for example, in the regular campaign between these two teams. Biggest gap in, I think, seven, eight decades. But it doesn't matter what the story is. The story is always whatever side you're covering, that team is too dominant. They're under too much momentum. The ride is too real. Everything is meant to be, and they're not going to lose. And then all of a sudden, one of the teams is gone. I remember specifically one that stands out to me. It was on the AL side in the Wayback Machine, the first Giants title that they got. So what is that? 2010, I think it was. And here comes a team in Texas on the American League side, one of the two times that they made it. They had just beaten the Tigers. I think it was 16-5, to I believe was the score in the final game. Nelly Cruz drove in like 10 runs. They were... They were flying. It didn't matter that Tommy Hunter, now Met Reliever, was about to start game one. Think about how long ago this is, 12 years ago. Didn't matter. You covered that team, no one was getting them out. It was the Cardinal series, excuse me. Because I remember specifically one of the things that was never going to happen was if you remember the name Alexio Gondo no one was going to hit him. He didn't give up a, a hit, it seemed, in the first couple of series. And then Alan Craig, speaking of names of yesteryear, came back and bit him not once but twice in a World Series. It is always about same thing happened the year they played the Giants. They went home in five games. It is always easy to say whatever side you're on, whatever team you root for. They're never going to lose. And then everything changes. That's how momentum shifts. We'll talk about that among other things and certainly some offseason things. A lot of questions looming for those Bronx bombers who uh, I don't know if it's uh, Bronx slap hitters. We'll find out whether or not they've changed names. Uh, He believes in the Bronx because he hosts it. And of course, longtime Yankee. And as I mentioned to him last week, we always remind he was a Met for two years as well. My guy, Mike Stanton. Mike, how are you, sir? Happy Monday to you, buddy. Casey, I'm doing great, man. How are you today? I'm doing good, man. So I, I, gotta, I gotta start here before the series. And you know, even though you're doing believe with us with the Yankees, longtime Yankee. For people who don't know anything, they do longtime covering the Astros. You know that team as well as anybody. I'm sure you wouldn't have been shocked if the Astros won this series. Maybe not even shocked if I said they were going to sweep this series. But are you surprised how easily they seem to have swept the Yankees off the field and ended their season?
2: Well. I mean, when you look, back at, um, uh, you look back at it, you know, the four-game sweep, uh, you know, really the maybe the most competitive game was game four, I think three lead changes. But I'm going to have to go with Dusty Baker. And Dusty Baker said other than game three, you know, they were all close baseball games. But I, I think it was pretty ev- uh, evident on the field that, you know, the Astros were the better team. You know, they were healthier. They were deeper. Uh, They were playing a better quality of baseball. So not really. Um, I I actually had I had a friend of mine ask, you know, uh, Astros in six. I said, you know, I think six is actually conservative. I think it could have been five. Well, it ended up being four.
0: A lot of questions about the Astros, and I want to get into the World Series and look ahead to it and all that, but let's let's delve in and, and dig into the Yankees because when you're in New York and you're under that cauldron, the spotlight, we both know that you played in it for a long time. Now, cover it. I lived there most of my life, covered it. I know how it is. When you're a manager on May 8th of a season, no other manager understands in this sport. The only coaches who understand probably, and I've always said this, professional sports, what that feeling is like is if you're coaching the Lakers on a, any given day, the Dallas Cowboys on any given day. And if you're a hockey fan, the Montreal Canadians or the Leafs on any given day, the only other team, and it's still probably behind the Yankees, right? Any day of the week. <laughs> when you get to the postseason, everything is magnified. To have Booney be in a situation. I love him personally. Know him well to be in a situation yesterday where not only, I wouldn't say caught doing, but they're promoting putting out there that they had a coach for you know, and I'm okay with you know the mental skills and all of that. It's an important part of life. People get on that. I'm not. What I am getting on is maybe choosing the wrong one. If their idea was let's go around and have facetimes and videos about the '04 Sox, which I covered Boston that year. Exactly. What was your reaction to hearing about that yesterday?
1: Well,
2: I, you know, I, it, it did make me raise an eyebrow until I thought about it for a second. And and the real the 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 thing is, it's the only time it's ever happened. So it's not like you have. You know, a huge information source to go through. You know, the, it's happened three or four, or you know, countless times. It's only happened once. And I don't think that, I, I think there was, there, there's a lot of coverage about that. Um, but I, did it really matter? I, I no, don't. probably not. They, the optics, what about the optics, something? Mike? The
0: optics aren't good though, right?
2: That, well, that's true. That's true. But did that, did, did, did they actually say something that the players didn't already know? No, probably not. I mean it's it's one of those situations that yes, you gotta win each pitch. You gotta win each at bat. You can't look at the big picture. You know, you have Mount Everest standing in front of you. You know, no, you have to make the first step before you can make the last step. And so I, I think it I think there was a the optics definitely weren't
0: what you would like them to be, but <laughs> I just don't think it was really that big of a deal. No, it's look, It's probably not, but it goes combined with it. We talked about this last week, the situation with Holmes, which did not come off well. It makes it look like that there is a communication issue. Then yeah. you have the situation where my former teammates at TBS and Lauren Shahadi are finding out that Harrison Bader didn't know that he was leading off. And then Booney's simply saying pretty much he texted everybody and some guys look at it, some don't. And by itself, maybe that's not a big deal. By itself, maybe Holmes, right? If the rest of the things go well, not a big deal. By itself, the videos and FaceTiming Poppy, right? The the Yankee killer, maybe not that big a deal. But then Donaldson continuously in the lineup, you change everything else, but, and I love Josh, but he's, he's past, way past the prime with the bat, and it clearly was in his own head. I mean, that's just not even the plate approach yeah. we're used to. How much trouble... Right now, despite anything that Cash, Brian Cashman's going to say about all the years and contracts that he has in front of his, his plate, how much trouble is Booney in right now?
2: Well, I think he's in some just simply because, you know, you know what the what the Yankee fan base, the Yankee organization, you know what it's all about, but. Uh, I don't think he's in in, in, in dire straits here just simply because look at the team that he had to work with. You know, this was not a team that was matching up very well with the Astros. I don't know anyone that if you went to the heart of hearts, even Yankees fans, they felt like it was probably going to be a long shot for the Yankees to beat the Astros just simply because the Astros are such a deep team. And the Yankees have had issues, you know. Uh, I, I think that there were some moves that were made at the trade deadline, uh, mainly bringing in uh, Benintendi. I think they really missed Benintendi. I think they missed really missed D.J. LeMayhew. You know, They needed more. Contact guys. I mean, 50-plus 50, 50 strikeouts in four games is an incredible number. If you're hitting the ball out of the ballpark, you can put up with those strikeouts. But they weren't doing that. And, and, you know, that was, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. That's how this team was orchestrated. That's how it was put together. Unfortunately, when you get to the playoffs, a lot of times you're, you're obviously facing the better pitching staffs, and you're going to be able to keep the ball in the ballpark better.
0: Your point on Ben is well made and a good one. And the injury to Lemayu, you don't know that that's going to happen, and that's a fair point as well. So depth goes on personnel personnel goes to the GM. Now I think Brian Cashman has overall done a terrific job as GM of this team. And I've always attributed it to it's basically being Phil Jackson with the Lakers or the bulls because of all the money he's got, no matter what he does because of the money he's got to wield. Cause he's the Yankee GM. He's never going to get any credit. He's always going to get the other side. I don't want to do the whole that I'm about to, if George was still around, but I'm about to, all right. <laughs> if George was still around, they're probably both gone. I mean that, that's that j- whether it's right or wrong, Mike, whether it's fair or not, and I'm not look. I'm not in the business trying to take people's jobs. In all my years, twenty years doing this, the only time I ever on the air, middle of the season, said that a team would have had a different year, and I said at the time if they had fired their manager. And I love Matt Williams; he's a terrific guy. But the year with the Nationals, that he clearly lost that room, and then yeah. Drew Storen kept losing. It was that was a mess, right? For the most part, managers are within the margins, not as big a deal as some people think, and much more managers of people than people give them credit for. Do you oh, that's get really
2: the right? really job? You know the job, the the in in game moves. I mean, even with all the analytics and everything. That's really not the toughest part of the job. The toughest part of the job is is the clubhouse, is dealing with the individuals. That's why I've always said, you know, a manager, a pitching coach, a hitting a hitting coach, you know, they're more amateur psychiatrists than they are than they are, you know, coaches. Because, you know, especially by the time you get to the big leagues, you got to remember all these players are humans. They all have things going on in their lives off the field, on the field, physically, mentally, emotionally. You know, that's what you deal with on a daily basis. I mean, as far as making mechanical adjustments or something like that, they're minute. They're usually more Band-Aids than anything else. But that's really what you're looking at when you say, "Okay, what do these guys do? You're dealing with personalities. You're dealing with people. You're trying, you know, another way to put it is they're firemen. You know they're trying to put out fires to get them in the best mental place so they can go out and perform on the field. Uh, you know, so the the in game move situations, yeah, there's always going to be questions, especially when things don't work out. But that's not the hardest part of the job, in my opinion.
0: I will say this, and I want to. I want to hit a number of other things, and clearly, by the way, you'll enjoy this. So I don't think it's the real Charles Barkley. Clearly, if it is Chuck, uh, long time no speak. Good to see you, another former teammate. But uh, Charles gets in and says, uh, "If George is still around, we'd have Manny Machado and Bryce Harper on this team." Uh, you know, I look. I don't. They need to still have Judge on this team, which we'll get to. I want to bring this up though, which is I think a fair point. Look, I love Bo Mel, Bob Melvin too, but managers who have made mistakes in the postseason. When you put your best players in positions to succeed and they fail, Aaron Judge not succeeding is not Aaron Boone's fault, as an example, right? But when managers take that away, when Bob Melvin doesn't have Josh Hader in a game for three straight losses and they go home, can't happen. Buck Showalter and Buck knows it, he adjusted. Doesn't manage at all like the way he did years ago when I was sitting there at Turner in the post game after he had Ubaldo Jimenez in the game and Zach Britton finished third and Cy Young Mike and is sitting out there in the bullpen. It's not a safe I situation. Yeah. I bring that up because I ask you, I know they didn't score runs, but how are you putting Trevino in that game and not letting Garrett Cole either, either Garrett Cole is going to be the guy or not be the guy? He'd wear that himself. Yeah. That that to me, of all the things, Holmes, everything else that happened, you want to put one decision that to me Booney made that forget about it, is questionable is wrong. And I know Michael Kay was all over it as well. You just can't do that. What was your take on taking Cole out, putting Trevino in that spot?
2: Game yeah, I, I thought Cole came out at least one batter too soon. You know, he's he's your horse, he's your dude, he's the one that either you're gonna you should win or lose the game on his arm, not just, yeah, I understand you have he, he just loaded the bases, but he was throwing the ball just fine. You know, he has swing and miss. And and I really didn't – you know, the one thing that hasn't been talked about is the Yankees' familiarity with Lou Trevino because all the years, what, four and a half years he played in Oakland, all the outings, everything like that, you know, that was not a surprise for the for the Astros offensively. They know exactly what Trevino is going to be able to – of what he was going to try and do and all you have to do is look at the results i mean yes he was looking booney was looking for a strikeout looking for a ground ball didn't get either one you know got two sacrifice flies you know got the ball in the air because the astros there's familiarity there with the astros so i i thought that yeah if there's one if there's one move that you want to look at i would have to go there and you know listen that's that's why aaron boone gets paid to put it not to make the moves is to put up with the repercussions when the moves don't work. But bottom line is they weren't going to beat the Yankees or they weren't going to beat the Astros. The no, Yankees probably did not. not have the team
0: did and not. Like have they do it. And they didn't score in that game. Right. So it's like, okay, well it doesn't, it doesn't wouldn't have mattered, but I'm talking about specifically for the Booney part of it. And sure. this is just to be fair. Cause I, I don't mean this is just throwing this out there. To say, look, I, I, I think he's done it. You won a hundred games. The first two seasons, he was there, right? Now, he didn't throw the pitch to Brasso that Chapman gave up, but Chapman, it it happened, and you lost to the Rays in a shortened season that everybody thought the Yankees were going to walk away winners. They didn't. One of the years, the Red Sox beat you, which is even worse than just winning 100 games and losing in a postseason when they're singing New York, New York, right? And to make fun of Aaron Judge and trolling you, that's not happening either. Then you get this whole situation. I, I hate the whole I used to joke you uh, Chris Broussard, who used to put uh when LeBron went to the heat, there's a there's a forty-eight percent chance, there's a sixty seven. I hate those things. So right. let's 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 make fun of them now and do them. All right. I would probably put it as, and I could be totally wrong. I think Brian Cashman's safe. I think he's been there, unless he doesn't want to be there anymore for right. some reason. It's his choice, right? He may be sick of it because he can get another job somewhere, but I think he's probably safe. I think Booney's north of fifty out. I, I just, the optics are so, all of the things we just talked about, all the winning, but not getting it done the postseason, which for the Yankees, it's in the Mets. You know this as well as I do, having played for both. It's a different feel. Would you be surprised if a managerial change was made?
2: Surprised? No, I, I won't. and And just simply because, you know, what we've already discussed that, you know, the Yankee way is, you know, you win or we had a bad season. Now, I don't completely buy into that right now. Uh, They were talking about it on the broadcast last night about that being the very case. I think it was, I think it was Pedro was talking about it. And I'm like, hold on, they haven't won in 12 years. So no, the fan base is not used to this team winning anymore. You know, you go back to the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. There was pressure there because that's exactly what the fan base expected, but now they haven't won in so long. You can't look at it and say, yeah, they're used to winning. No, they're not used to winning anymore. It's been over a decade since they've won a world series but would i be surprised if Boone's out no and you know the old saying your manager is hired to be fired and you know somebody has to pay the price and a lot of times it is the manager whether it is uh, warranted or if it's not it really doesn't matter that's why you're there nobody has a job forever
0: no, and I don't know, you know, part of it is, I don't know who the guy would be. You got Ron Thompson who now, right? He, he's yes. in Philadelphia. Uh, Bruce Bochy, who, by the way, Texas just changed everything by putting him in there. He's brilliant. And he's off the board. And I don't think he'd be with the Yankees. That's not a good fit. I don't think he wants any of that anyway. So I don't know who the guy would be. But it, it is, you know, the other part is, just to kind of close the book on on this aspect of the Yankees, the urgency, Mike feels different and because you mentioned late 90s and 2000 look george there too right and you know i'm not going to sit here like we had you know somebody comment already in the show well machado and harper would have both been yankees but i thought at the time harper would have been Uh, it just seemed like the perfect fit and especially him in that stadium i mean you know forget it he just seemed like all the things had led to it let me take all that urgency and put it to aaron judge if you would have asked me, with the normal situation here, Yankee team, Yankee money, Aaron Judge, the season he just had, what he means to the team, I would put it north of 95%. He comes back, barring something family-wise says he wants to go back to the West Coast and wants to go to the Giants, who I'm sure will be in, in the mix. Right? Yeah, right. I feel like with it, job,
2: there's, Listen. It, but is it lower Mike? Do you feel less sure? Money that
0: he's going to be looking for. Who's going to pay it? No, I don't. I don't know. Giants, Dodgers, Giants, yeah. Dodgers,
2: right? Dodgers, yeah. Dodgers already have so much money on the books, uh, and and with Andrew Friedman at the helm, they're not just gonna. You know, this isn't the Dodgers of ten years ago, where they're just gonna, you know, keep writing checks and keep writing checks. They don't need Aaron Judge. I mean, they were the best team in 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 the whole league the regular Well, season. they didn't need
0: Freddie but, Freeman either, sort of ish. I right. mean, it didn't seem like right. But so, Giants, I,
2: I don't, I don't think there's really other there. There's, I don't know if there's been a free agent recently, uh, let's say in the last ten years that it's the perfect fit both ways. You know, he has been Aaron Judge has been. The perfect Yankee. There has been, you know, he always says the right thing. He always sits in front of the camera. Uh, He never gets in trouble. There's never stuff, you know, on the back page or in the, you know, in the tabloids. You know, he has been the prototypical perfect Yankee. And, by the way, he's also going to be the MVP and set the American League record in home runs. I just don't see that, yeah, there's a lot of teams that he would look good in the middle of their lineup. But what's the contract going to look like? That's uh, going to be the case. That's I agree.
0: Be- I, I hear you, and I agree. I would say Mets will be in there because it's Steve Cohen and because they would love that story. And Steve Cohen's rooted for a team that's never been able to do those kind of things to the Yankees. They'll try. I don't think he's going to the Mets. The Giants, to me, are the fear. Because you've got an ownership that always has gone star power. Remember, when Farhan Zaidi went in there specifically, he was supposed to throw down the payroll, lower, get all the bad contracts right. out. And the ownership wanted Harper so bad. They still were sitting there offering him $40 million a year for three, four years trying to get him because that's, that's the way that that ownership, and I give them credit for that. They want stars in that park from the area in the West. The Giants make sense. They're probably the toughest, but I, I'm with you. It seems to play out that way for the Yankees like he would go back. Let me go here with the Astros. You've seen this team go through all of these things over the last number of years, the machinations of all the garbage cans and the way they were treated, the changes, even though they've been minor, because look, even with Correa gone now, look at Pena in, right? McCullers, I remember the game seven with Morton. Here he is in a big game again yesterday. So a lot of the pieces still the same. Presley not setting up, now the closer. How do you look at this team's chances versus the one last year that came up short, the World Series?
2: Oh, man. Um, Listen, last year... Last year might have been the best team the Astros have ever had. Well, until this year. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> and Offensively, yeah, listen, we got to remember offensively across the board, Major League Baseball, offense was way down. I mean, what was the league batting average was like 241 or something like that. But that's not what this team is about. This team is about their pitching. And, yes, you came into the season with a lot of question marks. JV not pitching for basically two seasons having over 600 days off, Uh, and then you had all those young pitchers that were all homegrown that you didn't really know what was going to happen, and then Lance McCullers Jr. coming back later in the season from his Tommy John surgery. Well, all those questions have been answered, um, I mean, just in the most positive way you can imagine. And you can see that's what – the thing is, this team with this pitching staff, especially the rotation they're not going anywhere. This team's going to be there for still a couple of years, you know. Um, but yeah, this is a, this this pitching staff has really been absolutely incredible. It's been fun to watch the maturation process of all these young guys. Uh, you know, I think you have to give credit to the player development side of the Astros, just simply because you look. All these guys have slow heartbeats, man. Whether it's Garcia or Keady, uh the slowest might be Christian Javier. I mean, these dudes are just out there, just executing pitches, and it doesn't really matter what the stage is. And I think that's something to be said about the the individuals. But I think you also have to mention the organization also. So, um, yeah, I, I think this is probably the best team that they've had. It's the healthiest team that they've had. Um, you know, I think that was a big part of the Yankee series was, you know, other than Michael Brantley, who are the Astros really missing? They weren't missing anybody. They were clicking on all cylinders. This is a juggernaut of a team.
0: And think about this without Altuve performing, where right, with without that at all, Alvarez, after the good start to the series, slowed down. He could get hot again. I mean, it's not even like they were at full you know, quality of the offense, which is just crazy to me, just how good they can be. And Framber is, I continue to say, Mike, I, I think he's been he's become the most underrated player in the American League nationally, even though the numbers show top innings, right? And all the things he's done. Right. You've got last one for me, you get so much experience going through this i opened the show talking about teams get in the world series every year and covering it seeing firsthand it's always like one side and everyone around it thinks they can't lose because all the momentum of their story is driven that way the other side though has the same story right so somewhere something's got to change do the phillies have enough beyond the momentum they're riding and bryce to make this a way better series than the yankees gave houston
2: Oh, absolutely they do. I mean, I, I said before the playoffs ever start, and I don't usually go back to what I said because a lot of times it's wrong. Um, I actually said at the beginning, I said if the and this was, you know, the last week or two going into the into the postseason, if the Phillies make it in, they are dangerous. And the re, what makes them dangerous is to start off with, they were gonna have to get hot. So they're gonna be playing on emotion. But they got two guys at the top of their lineup oh. thinking about 18 shutouts. God, and, and that's really the that's really the case. You got a couple guys at the back end uh that they really back into the bullpen that they really trust that are throwing extremely hard uh and they're on a roll. So that no, absolutely. I mean this this Phillies team um yes, the Astros are going to be picked to win the regular season record, how they've gone through the playoffs. That all counts. But the Phillies are dangerous. There's no doubt about it. I mean they're they're going to give the Astros a run. I don't think this is going to be a cakewalk for the Astros in any way, shape, or form.
0: I'm just curious, because you mentioned real quick, i got to add one, because you mentioned the bullpen. You were part of, and I I go back to this. I mean, in my opinion, it's, and the Giants had a great one for years, because they Mm -hmm. had the match, especially the one where Serge, who ended up being a closer in the World Series, was setting up Brian Wilson. And they had Casilla and and Affelt and all those guys, the Royals, right, Wade Davis. To me, the bullpen that you were a part of and there were like two or three matches, it the best ever, because I go back to like, I, you know, watch it. Ramiro Mendoza was a guy who can get anyone out and he's like there in like garbage time because there's so many different guys. Yeah. How how would it have been if guys from those teams you were on were treated the way bullpen arms are now in a postseason? When you watch, just for example, in Philadelphia, how crazy things are and yeah. the way it's handled.
2: Well, I'll t- to tell you the truth, if 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 we were handled, we, I'm talking about, you know, all relievers. If we were handled like the relievers were right now, I might still be pitching. Um, <laughs> you know, because now no one, I mean, th- there's a, you know, everybody gets up in arms when a guy goes three days in a row in the regular season. Like it only happens right. just a few times, but three days in a row, that was a good week. Yeah. Um, I, There were times I went four or five, maybe even six days in a row, uh, whether I was in the game or not. But it, it's just a different era. So, you know, and really in the playoffs, you know, the hardest part of the season is getting to the big dance, okay? Once you get there, now it's about who's hot. And you don't need a – you don't usually need a bullpen of five or six different guys that are, that are, you know, main leverage relievers because with the off days and everything, the way it's built in, uh, other than this last series – you have off days for everybody. Get to to kind of get days off, you know, to to get to get healthy. So uh, it, it's it's going to be fun to watch. But you know, like I said, you know, Rob Thompson and company, they've got a few guys at the back end of their bullpen that have very good stuff that are on a roll and 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 um, they trust. And with that, you know, the thing is, you have to go go back to the last regular season series the Astros played the Phillies right here in Houston. And Aaron Nola could not have been more spectacular. The Astros had no chance against him whatsoever. Uh, now his last time out, yeah, he struggled, gave up six runs, but you know, you remember that. I mean, even as a player, you remember that. Yeah, last time I faced these guys, I threw the ball pretty well, and on the on the on vice versa, on the other side, the offense goes. Last time we saw this dude, we didn't do much. You might not know the exact numbers off the top of your head, but you know that you did not perform well. So, and, and you saw what Zach Wheeler can do. Zach oh. Wheeler, this is a yes. big time power, power arm that's stolen the ball incredibly well. And because of the way both series worked out, you know, both you know, ending rested, both sides have plenty of yes. time to set up their pitching staff the way Yes.
0: They want. Verlander, Wheeler, uh, Framber Valdez, and Nola, give me that. Two things quickly, and, 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 uh, just because you brought up great points. One, I thought Aaron Nola, and people probably think I'm crazy. You're a pitcher you know better than me, but uh, you know creatures of habit. All the talk about playing is brother. We've never seen it happen before. My brother's three, four spots up coming up in the lineup. I got I mean, all of that, I, right. just, I, I don't even know. To me, mentally, we're all humans. That yes. had to get him a little bit off of that 100 out of 100, okay. right, that you need I, to no make. doubt.
2: I can remember the first time that I pitched against the Atlanta Braves after being drafted and playing for six years, almost six years, in Atlanta, the first time I pitched against the Atlanta Braves, they weren't even my brothers. They were just friends of mine. That <laughs> with. I'm like, right. Oh, my gosh, this is the weirdest thing ever. Oh, yeah. It absolutely plays I into think it. It I think it now, did. Funny story. This Go is ahead. as an amateur. I faced my younger brother twice. Uh, in a game situation, left on left, he was a pretty good left-handed hitter. Casey, I hit him twice.
0: Cause, because you could – was it with a fastball? Both?
2: I hit him – yeah, well, it was left on left. And you know, yes. back then, I didn't really know where the ball was going all the time. All right. and I, I, I told told, I, right. I've told my mother for decades now, I did not do it on purpose either time. But yeah, I end up hitting him twice. To say that, oh, it's just another hit. Uh, that's fine after you've yeah. done it a couple of times. But those yeah. first couple of times, man, it is weird to look up there, especially if you make eye contact.
0: They check. They check the velocity on Twitter, and two of the hardest five pitches he threw all year were in that at bat the first time against his brother. We
2: had the same thing in here with the. Mid-tons. I mean, that's what happens.
0: That's what happens. I mean, it's 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 just it's difficult. By the way, somebody on the chat mentioned Mattingly. Donnie's probably that one guy who like, okay, if you want to appease Yankee fans, if they want to do it, let's say, and I love Donnie. I think he's a great manager too. may yeah. not be for the right reasons, but you go ahead and if Aaron Boone, and I love, if he was out next week and they named Don Manningly, the, the manager of the Yankees, every Yankee fans off season just got a lot quieter in terms oh, of yeah. the angry noise. No doubt. No uh, doubt. It's just the way it is. Now, is he, the
2: question is, you know, Don is a, is a pretty laid back guy. You know, where is going to be, you know, what's the hardest part of being a manager in New York? It's dealing with the media especially for, well, really either side? And is Don Mattingly really the guy to deal with the media? Not when things are going well. That's easy. It's when when things aren't going well and you're getting the same question day after day after day. You know, can he handle that situation? And I love Don. I know Don pretty well from back in the day. Uh, and I, I agree with you. I think he's a great field manager. I think he's a great motivator. My question would, my only question would be, you know, is he, is he, I don't want to say capable. Is he willing to put up with uh, with the New York media
0: on a daily and, basis? And does he And does he want to because he's been through right, it? Right. Mike, appreciate you, man. Thanks for doing this. This is like uh, when uh, – this is like I, I had you warmed up, and then I sat you down. I, had, I, I Your managers are – I will not do that next time I have you up, but you just go in, and then we'll sit you down. I appreciate you. No problem. You. Bring in the lefty. I'm, I'm to warming <laughs> up the <lefty>. We're good. <laughs> appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. Anytime, Casey. All right, there he is, Mike Stanton. Appreciate him. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Jody Mack will be here in a few. We'll talk some Phillies. You could jump in on the chat a number of ways, YouTube Believe channel, my YouTube channel, or just pop up in the Twitter box if you're watching here live on Twitter. On my timeline, get in. You can uh, chat with us along the way, and I'll hit your responses. But Charles makes a good point in the chat. Like Don Mattingly, Donnie would probably be the guy. I want to go back to this and close this up before we hit Phil's with Jody Mack here. And we'll be with you every day throughout the course of the week previewing this thing, getting you ready for the World Series. As I said, four hours for the Super Bowl, you know what? Well, you can do four hours, one a day, and get you set up before Friday. A lot of big guests this week. Gibby, John Gibbons, who joined me from the bed uh, last time, so who knows what with that. He'll join me later this week. My guy Matt Holiday is on board this week. Alex Cora, AC, the manager of the Red Sox. Does a thing or two about these Astros, does he not? He will join me coming up Friday. So a lot of big things ahead as we continue on October Unfiltered. And, of course, for all of you on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere you get your podcast, go back and listen to the other episodes as well. Lots of great interviews, including a conversation I had with my friend, Dusty Baker. I, I, I want to just to kind of close the book for now on the Yankees, and I'm sure there's going to be more to this, right? I, I think we all rush to judgment in sports. Ah, this guy's terrible, made a bad move. That guy's decision is is brutal, right? And then it, it doesn't work out that way. Now, look, I'll give you an example. Dave Roberts, Dodger fans still get on Dave Roberts every day, right? Seemingly, it's it's every day. I remember watching the first time where he was in the World Series and being there. And I've known Doc a long time. He's a regular on my show for a decade. This is a guy, and I covered him in 04 when he was on the Red Sox with, you know, that steel. Here's a guy, who the first time he's in a World Series, he made a couple of big mistakes, including a lack of urgency and kind of falling asleep at the wheel a little bit when you Darvish was getting lit up. And he had Kershaw do four scoreless innings after that, put you too far behind the eight ball. Not the only reason they went home, but they went home in that game in a World Series right? I watched him adjust. I've seen him manage differently. Even guys like Buck Showalter, and I know he's home right now, but he was a highly successful manager for a long time, now managing differently, specifically with the kind of situation like he dealt with with Britain. And I think Bo Mel, Bob Melvin will learn from with a mistake that he made, not throwing Hater in three consecutive games. One mistake can be overblown, even if it's a big one. The problem that I see with what has happened here with the Yankees and, and with Booney You can make a mistake. The question you can never have is if the team, whether it's in the room, most importantly, because they got to believe in that field general, that guy, right? Who's out there, right? They got to know that. Pitcher's got to have that for the catcher. Everybody on the team got to have that for the manager, right? They got to have that belief across the board, even if it's the wrong decision. Think about the Rays and all the success. Kevin and Kevin Cash is great. Kevin Cash has had it. It's not lip service, right? Up to the Blake Snell thing. Everybody thought he was a genius. But all those guys have talked to them, have said, hey, look, first couple of times, like, really? And then they're like, oh, they see it work out and they believe. So now everything that happens, they say, okay, this is just going to work out. What's the belief when you watch the lineup change as many times as it has? And I didn't think it was a panic move to go to Bader in the leadoff spot. I said that. Or to put Peraza short, who played well defensively. I did not think it was the right move to go and switch lineups two more times. But you got a lineup change three or four times in a row in a series. When you've got a Clay Holmes who doesn't know whether or not he's supposed to pitch, a Bader who doesn't know he's in the lineup. You've got life coaches showing me David Ortiz, and now we're not just—I would have hidden that and not told anyone if that's what you're doing. We're promoting it and putting it out there, right? When you've got all of these things, 200 win seasons, one season where you go home, where Chapman gives it up to Brasso in the shortened year and the Rays can't beat you. The Red Sox send you home in a postseason themselves after you win 100 games. Now you're here this year and you look like the Astros has wiped you off. And I agree with what Mike Stanton said. If people just join us, Ben Attendee was a big loss. Contact guy would have helped them. DJ LeMay, you big loss with the injury for sure. Now, I'm not saying they win the series, but they would have definitely struck out less if those two guys are hitting one-two in the lineup. Everybody who watches the game would have known that. But is that enough, especially with Dom Mattingly looming and out there? And with the Yankees, and with Brian Cashman, you can't fire yourself, right, in in the crosshairs of the personnel. Is that enough to keep Booney's job? George, it wouldn't even be a question. And I look, I love Aaron Boone. wouldn't even be a question. Uh, it's probably about 50 50 for me. I'm curious what our next guest thinks. He's got, even though we'll talk a lot of Philly, he's got the pulse in New York as much as anybody. A guy you could find a long time at WFAN Radio, WIP, CBS Sports Radio right now. And you can uh, find him knowing a lot more about horses than I do as well. And <laughs> not only a friend, but a, a guy who I, and I mean this, I've said this to him, respect him as much as anybody in this business and admire. So I'm proud to call him a friend. Jody Mac, Jody McDonald's with me. Hey, Jode, how are you, buddy?
1: Uh, let's see me appearing on your show means I only owe you about 19 more appearances (laughs) since you've been on my shows about 20 times. I got some ground to make up, but it's my pleasure to hang with you today. Case.
0: I love it, buddy. I always start with this because I went to a lot of Phillies, but I got to ask you about about Booney right and in getting a chance to know him over the years personally before he got this ju- he's a terrific guy he's he's a he's a good baseball man from a great baseball family he gets along with the players this is not a bad manager it's not a bad person but when you look at all the questions that I just kind of laid out again and all the things that are against him you put it at north of 50 50 that he's gone at some point here in the offseason
1: I just jumped into the stream uh, while you were going through the Yankee stuff, and I think you hit on a key element of it. Mattingly's out there. For anyone else, I don't know that's a fit. You want to get the new young genius to come in and coach this veteran. Yeah, I'm not sure that works. But Don Mattingly is Donnie Baseball, and, yeah, he's available. And I've always thought that he, at some point in his career, was going to be the manager of the New York Yankees. So if they decide to move away from Boone to go to Donnie Baseball, that I get. That I understand. Um, Boone didn't do a good enough job for me this year where you say he's untouchable. Uh, So uh, if they make a move, my guess would be for Mattingly. If not Mattingly, and he just doesn't want the job, doesn't want to come, wants to take some time off, whatever the reasons, um, I think Boone probably keeps his job. I don't know. Joe Madden a fit for the Yankees? No, not with the way he meant, not his type of game. Boach and Boach wouldn't have been, been
0: either. I don't know I don't know if Boach would want to be in New York. That's the problem. he right.
1: could manage anywhere. Uh, uh, just looking from a Boachy perspective, do yeah, I think sure. he could do a good job with oh, that sure. team? Anyway. Yeah, I do, because anyway. he's that good a manager. Anyway. I don't know that he's taking a job. Yeah, agree. But agree. that was uh, kind of out of left field that he took the tech. I always I... thought he was coming back. I didn't Jody, think he it was going to be Texas.
0: He just changed their whole world. I mean, he's that good. There are very few managers or coaches that are that good where they can, they can be above whatever the outliers are of however many games in a regular season. That dude just changed everything in Texas for sure. We will be two. I think it'll be not next year the year after he'll be in a postseason and we'll, and we'll be telling the story of look how quickly, because that's, and by the way, free agents, Hi, uh, Bruce, Jacob deGrom, for example, where Texas has been mentioned. Nobody handles pitchers and understands them seemingly over the years. You talk to him. than a manager in Bruce Bochy who understands from the catcher's position how to deal with a lot of his starters, handles a bullpen better than anybody. Uh, I want to ask you one more in the, in the Yanks, and that's on cash. Look, Brian Cashman is I've always said, Jody, he's like it's like you, Phil Jackson. Right? With with the Cashman money that the Yankees have and everything else, it's like, well, Phil couldn't coach because he had Jordan, or he couldn't coach because he had Shaq and Kobe. Anybody could do it. Brian Cashman has probably gotten crapped on more than he's deserved. He's done a lot of good things. But isn't this more on him and the personnel than it is on on Boone?
1: No. I You don't I think would so. No. Okay. Oh, I just okay, think it's on the manager. Um because I and the results are the results. So if sure. Brian Cashman's wrong, then Jody McDonald's wrong as well. The only deal that he made that I didn't love was getting Montas at the deadline. Uh, I, I, you know, it's a funny quick aside. I was a bigger Sean Mania fan than I was a Montas fan. And Mania goes to San Diego and the Phillies just bounced him out of the playoffs too. So of the former Oakland pitchers, I did have a priority and a preference. And, yeah, Montas went bad on him. I thought it was a deal that made some sense. But um, Montas, Montgomery, Montgomery, Montas, I thought it was a toss-up and maybe they didn't need to do it. Oh, by the way, Bader did when he finally got on the field.
0: Yeah, he played, played pretty well.
1: well for the Yankees.
0: He played well. He wasn't a problem. Exactly.
1: So uh, I, I'm not killing Cashman the way other people are killing Cashman. Um, he's got certainly a longer track record than Boone. At least he is was part of the organization when they were winning World Series after World Series after World Series. So I don't think you can look at them through the same exact prism. Uh, they may go scorched dirt, and they may blow out everybody, hire a new uh, general manager, let him pick the manager. But my guess would be if only one of the two are going, it'll be uh, the manager, not the G- GM.
0: I don't want to compare it to, because it's not the same rivalry, to when you were on the radio during the time when Roger Clemens, the Red Sox, even though there were J's in between, goes to the Yankees. But during the times that you watched Bryce Harper play with the Nationals and beat up on the Phillies and the Mets and everybody else, if I would have ever told you dot, 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 then not only would he be doing what he's doing for Philadelphia, but the relationship would seem to be such in like a, we're going to be talking all time, like an Allen Iverson, kind of a relationship with this fan base. Would you ever have believed me?
1: Um, don't know if I would have said it's a lock or it's a given, uh, but as soon as Bryce signed the contract, smart kid, um, probably well advised by his avenging angel agent, um, he came in and immediately played the suck up game. Uh, Philadelphia is where I was going to be. I want to be here for the next thirteen years. Uh, move my family and spend the rest of my life. So he did it right. Because yes, Philadelphia, un- not unlike every other fan base, but maybe a little more so in Philly. You suck up the Philly and tell them how great the town is and how great the fan base is, which by the way, if you've seen, it's in Bank Park. Uh, here. It's uh,
0: best in it, the league. It's been the best in the postseason.
1: It really is. Uh, so, so Bryce played it as well as anybody can play it. And he seems like an honest guy. I don't think he's just a uh, has to say whatever he's going to say and rolls his eyes when he turns around and away from the camera. I think he's a really honest guy and I think he's loving being in Philadelphia. And yeah, with the way that things are going, he couldn't have made a better choice to make a 13 year commitment.
0: People forget. And I remember talking to Scott, the the uh, the angel that you spoke of on the shoulder, and Scott Boris. I remember talking to him after this deal. People forget. And I always use this as an example for people getting on Scott Boris. Now, I don't want to say Scott told him not to, because that's not how it works with agents. But Scott he admitted, he advised Bryce Harper, I can get you more money if you don't take this deal. People forget the Giants, who will now be an unjudged. And the Dodgers at the time who had the money, we'll see if they still do. They always find some had offered 40 million type deals for three or four years. Bryce Harper took way less AAV and could have easily been good enough to go back out in the market. But point being seemed to really solidify to your point that he wanted to be in Philadelphia long-term. That's one thing now to come and circle back to, You're being an MVP. You're looking like the guy who used to be with the Mike Trout in who's going to be better, right, Mm -hmm. for a while. To be that guy, where I hate to do the where does this rank, but you know Philly as well as anybody. What does this even compare to in terms of what he's doing and how much impact, Jody, he's having on this run right now with Philadelphia?
1: You mentioned an Allen Iverson. He was here from day one. Number one pick in the draft, was here for his entire worthwhile career. Yeah, he went to a couple other places afterwards. They really Denver, amount to Haley yeah, Beads. Right. No. Uh, his, his Hall of Fame plaque is Sixers and Sixers only. Um, Embiid is another guy here. Uh, and I love him now in town. Finally had a good game after two stinkers to start the season. Um, but the majority of the superstar guys who have been in Philadelphia the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years are guys who were drafted here. Bryce chose to come here, made the free agent decision to come here. And in some people's eyes, it's so funny. You've been dealing with talk with fans on the phones forever. I have as well. Some people really appreciate the hometown guy. Anybody who comes in from outside, but, but he didn't start his career with us. Some people have that opinion. Others appreciate a free agent more because they chose to come in. They weren't drafted here where they have no say whatsoever where they get drafted. So different people have different perspectives. I don't know that there's a comp to Harper. He's probably the best free agent and yeah, he's got to finish the deal. We'll see if they can win the world series. He's, he's checked all boxes for me, even if they do lose to the Astros, um, he's probably the best free agent signing here in Philadelphia in the last 20, 25 years.
0: Philly loves and and I've seen this being around it, right? And it's it's your point. It's not just where you say it's not just Philly, but a little more so Philly. I always put it this way: it depends what sport it is. in In baseball, Philadelphia, New York, Boston, it's just a different animal in a lot of ways in terms of the way those fan bases are. Um, when you look at Reese Hoskins, one of the things I've noticed about Philly and Boston and New York, if you are tough enough to deal with all the crap, you have struggles, and they give you hell and you come out the other side and you're still there and performing, you are beloved in a different way that is almost unmatched. How much is he fitting that bill to a T? and how happy are you for him after all the shows you've probably done where they're sitting there lining up on WIP to ask, what the hell are we doing still putting Reese Hoskins out there in the lineup?
1: Oh, I've had him during the playoffs this year. He's (laughs) killing us at first base. How is he still playing first base for us? Oh, no, I'm still getting those calls now. Um, I got to come up with uh, – maybe I'll put you to work because uh, you might be better at it than I am. Um, anyone who does what we do, we play at amateur general manager all the time. We sure. look at rosters. What can you do? But if they can find the perfect guy to trade Castellanos for, a right-handed hitting first baseman, uh, next year you're going to have Harper back in the outfield if his elbow allows so you don't necessarily need Castellanos. Reese Hoskins is a DH. He'd be a great DH. He's really bad at first base. He's a butcher over there at first base. And if they could just make him the first, uh, the DH, I get a five-year contract, done. Keep him here. City loves him. He's clutch. When he's on a hot streak, he can match up with Soto and Harper and all the drought, any of them. He can get that hot. Now he can also get that cold and go two for 30. So we know what Reese Hoskin is. He's the biggest Pekin Valley player, maybe in all of major league baseball. The other thing we know is he can't play first base. So he needs to be a DH. If they could pull just the right trade, a guy with a lot of money for a guy with a lot of money, you want Cassianos, we need a first baseman. I haven't gotten to the rosters yet because I don't want to because the Phillies are in the middle of making a run. If you're doing it like you and I, nobody's listening to us right now. You and I could have this conversation. I don't really want to have it with the Philly fan base because they go, what are you worried about next year for? We're going to the World Series, McDonald. So, uh, yes, he is beloved here in Philadelphia, Hoskins. So if you can come up with that, that right-handed hitting first baseman who can take over for him and make him the DH and it uh, will take on a high salary guy. And we'll give you a high salary guy in Castellanos. Phillies will be good for 2023 and going forward as well.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, it, the stories have been great across the board for this team. Certainly Rob Thompson is one of those and what he's done. I, I remember when I asked about Kyle Schwarber, because I remember being at the world series covering it and through that playoff run where it was, you know, he had come off from two, I think, two at bats he had in the Arizona Fall League after he came back out of an injury and ripped a double off Corey Kluber in his first at bat. And I remember being in the press area in the stadium, and people sitting there and, and saying, "This is just a different dude." He already had the aura of all the long home runs and the short, and then it was left field in against the Mets, and then it's okay, but he doesn't hit as well, and now he can't make contact, and it kind of the, the luster wore off a little bit. Something happened in Boston when he went in there, even in a short time, where it seemed like it built up to where when he went into Philly, you're like, okay, this is a fit in the stadium, it's a fit in the city. It's like a glove, though, Jode. I mean, this guy right now, you're not your typical leadoff hitter from the yesteryear you and I are used to watching the games of. But I don't know, it's kind of hard to be more beloved right now in this short a time than Kyle Schwarber right now is in Philadelphia in terms of hero
1: status. He is doing that. They, those are the three guys. We've already talked Harper, Hoskins, uh, Schwarber is certainly the other one in that mix. Uh, you know where I get my scouting info from uh, Joseph Anthony Aloysius McDonald Sr. And he had seen him in a ball in the Florida State League and said, Jody, this, guy, this guy's got one of the best swings I've seen in two years, three years. Go, you got to go back to who came – oh, Freddie Freeman came through. And uh, I forget, he gave me another guy. Three of them came through, standing at the same time. He said, Schwarber's going to hit 40 home runs in the big league. So I, I was touting him when he was a catcher coming through the Cubs system because my father told me to. I went on the air and filled up and said the – Uh, Philly should trade Cole Hamels when they traded him to Texas. I said, I'd trade him to the Cubs for Schwarber today. So I tried to get uh, Schwarber in Philly five (laughs) years ago. But that's a whole nother story. Here's the one thing I didn't know about Schwarber. Because I watch him play, but I uh, never had him on a show. Never Mm -hmm. interviewed him. So I didn't have a good feel on him as a person. To a man. Oh, he's terrific. Players, teammates, the manager, uh, the media guys who are in there every single day covering the team say, he is the leader on the Philadelphia Phillies. With Hoskins, who's been here five more years than he has. With Harper, who's been here three plus more years than he has. The guy that that binds the team together more than anybody else is Schwarper. And that I didn't know. I knew he was a good guy, had a good attitude, actually could joke with the guy and he was funny. But I didn't know he was the take control of the locker room kind of guy. And I don't know how many people I've talked to over the last however many months since the Phillies got it turned around with Rob Thompson coming in and the dynamic changed when they changed managers. That Schwarber is more the leader of that clubhouse than anybody else. And I didn't know that. It Now that I know it and I can see it, it doesn't surprise me.
0: I got two more for you. One, uh, Zach Wheeler, clearly as uh, much as, you know, as soon as I heard you and I haven't talked since then, but as soon as I heard Chris Bassett, when they played the clip of the day before he pitched in game three, where he said that New York is as tough as everybody says, and I'm proud that I made it. I knew he wasn't getting re-signed and was off the team and already wanted out of the, I mean, you can't, if, if you don't, you got to embrace these kind of cities. You can't, I mean, I don't even want to hear once that's even in your mind, you fail in a big spot. Zach Wheeler, who could have been pitching game three for the Mets, feasibly, right, if he had stayed, uh, is a guy we knew already could do it. What's impressed you and stood out most? Because you watched him and covered it on the Met version, which, by the way, pretty darn good. But what's impressed you most about this now next level version where you've got an ace and a game one dude who you know has a very good chance to outpitch Verlander, despite JV being a Hall of Famer here coming up on Friday night?
1: This was one I had a better grasp on. Like I told you, the Schwarber leadership thing kind of caught me by surprise. What everybody has said about uh, Wheeler all year long is, and he he, he gets comp to his manager in this way all the time. Flatline, doesn't let emotions play in. Got a job; it's a business. I go out to the, m- the mound; that's my office. I'm not. It, it, we talk about how good things are. It Citizens in the back park. I think Zach Wheeler pitches the same, whether there's 12,000 people in the stand or there's 45,000 waving the, the rally towels. He is so narrow focused. He has the ability when he's out there on the mound to take everything out of it. You don't see him get pumped up or throwing a fist in the air or getting mad or staring at an umpire. No, no. He is just on that same plane every single pitch he throws. And oh, by the way, he's got nasty stuff. He's throwing ninety-eight and spotting it exactly where he wants. Uh, if uh, he throws a couple, you're dead. If 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 he throws a couple, you got no chance. You're you're spitting on it. If it's in the zone, you're done. He has been phenomenal in this postseason run, and it shouldn't surprise anybody who watched him pitch all year long. Got hurt late in the year, so they've been a little um, tentative with him, stretching him out. He hasn't been anywhere near the eighth inning. Um, But then again, nobody is anymore. Um, But you think when you're watching him, he's gotten through five. You go, he'd get eight today. We can go straight to just one inning of relief. We won't have to tap into the pen. Um, No, they're still being a little cautious with him. Uh, Nothing. uh, I don't know that there'll be any limits. There shouldn't be any limits in the World Series. But his strength is above and beyond his stuff. He is as narrow-focused and can keep out all, all the noise as any pitcher I've seen in years. All
0: right, last one for you. Um, the momentum, it's very reminiscent of last year with the Braves, who were not expected to do anything. As you know, I live in Atlanta. And in the middle of the season, even the postseason began, no one had them. No one thought they beat Houston. No one thought they were going to get there. The Phillies, we know the defensive issues. We know about some of the you know issues that they have sometimes where they, they get the the fundies wrong, as Keith Hernandez guy, would say. What worries you most about Houston in this series? When you look at it realistically, as great as the Phillies have played, what's the thing that stands out as, how in the world are we going to debunk this to go win four games?
1: Starting pitching. Uh, the ISO starting pitching is, is superior. And as much as I love Wheeler, as much as I love, because you're going to go Wheeler-Verlander, and you're right, we're talking about a really good, ace-like starting pitcher, Hall of Famer. Um, and the the two matchup... Nola against Frambo. Close. I'm a Nola guy.
0: It's pretty even.
1: Pretty even. Snuff is Nola,
0: but Valdez gets it done. You can't deny
1: that. He does. He's just, I sometimes just roll my eye. You can't hit that? You sure you can't hit that? But he does. He gets guys out. Um, and Ranger Suarez out of the pen last hey, night to get the save was phenomenal. Yes, and he's been very good for them. But he's he's five and dive. They don't ever push him past a certain limit. So the matchup of the starting pitching, I got an absolute. And now we're talking about a seven game series, not a five game. Anymore. So uh, and if it's close, we're at. There, that would be a nice thing. A sixth game in a series would be nice. Didn't get either one of those this past year. Um, yeah, I give you some edge in the starting pitching. But here's the reason why the Phillies have the puncher's chance. Here in this postseason run, they've won both ways. They've won from in front and been able to protect it. They've won from coming from behind, so they've got that we're not done yet. We'll get it. It's going to kick in at some point. Once you put a guy out there, we can hit. We're going to go four, five, six out of seven guys getting on base. We're going to put up a big number. Uh, they, in their minds, believe that they can win games in different ways, and you're going to have to do that. You're probably going to have to play from behind a couple of times against that Astro starting pitching
0: and got to try and limit giving them extra mistakes. You saw it with the Cole situation with the McCormick home run, as soon as that Bader judge thing, you just knew the ashes have been there. They've done that before the defense. Is, it doesn't have to be brilliant everywhere, but it's gotta be tight enough to not fumble your way or have a Segura moment or whatever it might be. Uh, Joe, uh, try and uh, <clears throat> try and keep the pulse at the level it's supposed to be. This going to be a fun week for you in that city. I, have fun. I
1: will. And let me say one more thing. about. Yeah, Rob please Thompson. say whatever you want. Yeah. Um, I love Rob. My father's known Rob Thompson for 30 years. He, Joseph Anthony Aloysius McDonald Sr. talked Rob Thompson into becoming a uh, coach. He was a player in the Tigers system who was going to be released. And I said, listen, hey, Rob, if you catch on with somebody else, best of luck. But we're not bringing <laughs> you back next year. But we'd like to offer you a job today. We think you would make an excellent coach. Uh, We think you're devoted to the game, know the game, understand the game, great communicator. We'd like to hire you as a coach. And Rob had to make a call. Do I continue to chase the dream after hitting 210 and A at age 25 or 26, whatever he was, uh, or do I go in another path? And sure enough, he said, okay, I'll take a job as a coach. And the Tigers had him in the system for a couple of years, and then Steinbrenner came in and stole him. And it Pissed my father off no end. He got mad at Georgia. How dare you steal Rob Thompson from me? And he did. So I've known Rob for a very long period of time. Doesn't mean I always agree with him. And I've disagreed with him some here in the postseason. He always gets it right. Well, even if you can look at it and go, no, 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 no. Here's oh, why yeah. you should. The- yep. Every button he pushes is right. out,
0: right? Get during Dominguez too early. I mean, how many, right? A bunch? I'll a give bunch? you one more, and I'm going to
1: second guess him again. And I'm on record when it happens in the World Series. Go ahead. He's been using a defensive replacement in the outfield. Yeah. Schwarber.
0: Yeah. Vierling. Yep.
1: Why not I uh, Schwarber, uh, understood, doesn't cover a lot of ground. Not a fast guy, not the big, long, loping strides, but he catches everything he gets to. He never throws the wrong base. And Castellanos is an adventure, and right. He made one really good play at the yeah. end of the season, yes. gunned the guy down on a tag-up at home plate to a dead-strike double His whole double season's play. been
0: an adventure, Jody. I mean, his whole season's been a nightmare, but that's the great part about a World Series. Game one, he homers off Verlander, all of a sudden you forget
1: that. Uh, right? Yeah. I won't.
0: That works. But, uh, <laughs> chances are
1: I'll be wrong. Castiano's will gun someone down at home plate, oh. and I'll get a call. And go, yeah, Jody, you wanted to swap him out for a defensive replacement. That'll be okay. I'll take all that uh, abuse if I need to. That means Castellanos has actually made the play, and it's helped the Phillies win.
0: You better get Altuve out because you and I both know we watched this dude a long time he won for 25 whatever the heck it was he's going to have a couple of days now to kind of you know, deep breath and you know he doesn't stay those guys they have at, his average is right behind whatever it was they gave in the broadcast the other night bike trout of anybody in baseball the last 10 years that is that means that that's always going to things regress for most people he will then elevate to what you're usually getting well it's just the way it is he's going to hit In this series, it will not be the same as it was against the Yankees. I think. I was
1: going to say he didn't hit against the Yankees, but you're right. He's going to hit here. He's going to. You're you're factoring in the dude. You better. You better.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's going to. That's going to be one. He's going to be a little scary. I think in
1: this series. Appreciate you, Jody. I'll bug you again if it's a long enough
0: series. I'll get you. Otherwise, we'll just talk Sixers.
1: Done deal, my friend. You got it. Appreciate you, you, bud.
0: Thank you, my friend. There he is, Jody McDonald. Well, the greats of the business, uh, friend, and, and he's just fantastic. And that look, I think, you know, when you look at the the situation right now with this series, and we'll talk about it all week as we try and pick And Again, I've got uh, AC, Alex Cora will join me, Matt Holiday, John Gibbons got a bunch of people coming in to kind of preview because we got forever now to wait till Friday, which if you're a media member covering it, I know it's great. You get to go home for a couple of days. For us now, we sit there and wait forever. I say this about this series. I want to, When I use the word want, I mean, my gut is telling me because want, I mean, you know, there's a Met 86 plaque over this side here. I want. My gut tells me the Phillies are going to do this somehow, Now Bryce Harper is going to win the MVP. And to quote what I think was Frank Thomas was saying, he was texted by his son yesterday. He is him for sure. I mean, Bryce, anybody who ever gave him crap, by the way, people get all kinds of stuff wrong. The Nationals stuffed a, a, a horse poop contract with all kinds of like you know different you know, deferences under his door at the last second. He wasn't ego-hungry and money-hungry. He took less AAV to take more years from a contract that a lot of players would have said, yeah, if people get on the 13 years, you know how much money he would have made? He wasn't old. He's him. My gut tells me That the story I'm going to have is in a couple of weeks sitting there and talking about how Syndergaard and Wheeler, right, won a World Series with the Phillies. And Bryce Harper, the guy who's on the national, like all this, if you're in a Met world or NL East world, it's a bizarro world. All right. And how did they do it? And and how does it happen? And my guy, Dusty, somehow again, falling short just because my gut is telling me that. But I try to diet some so that I can keep dad bod in check. So I'm going to go away from the gut and go to the brain, which is usually a mistake in my life. The gut is where I should go. So when I tell you my gut says Phillies in six, and that's what happens, laugh at me. I think it's going six, but I'm going to take the Astros. And we'll talk about this during the course of this week, but I I want to key in on something very, very important. All right. depth in the postseason, always comes to bite you if you don't have it where you should. The Yankees' lack of depth in their lineup, in part, sure, I'm not taking all the you know, the excuses in, in there, but to Mike Stanton's point, he's right, right? Benatendi hurt, LeMay, you hurt, that, that hurts you, right? Depth in the bullpen, Michael King, people forget I got that injury. Chapman, not even on the roster, became a disaster and an embarrassment even more than he was. That lack of depth, well, you were able to kind of come back against the Guardians and win game five. Eventually not good enough, right? The depth of the Phillies, we saw have some problems in this series that they just won. And I know they won, but they they showed themselves. The beginnings of them showed themselves. The depth in that pitching staff. So front heavy and top heavy and now really top heavy at the back end, too. When you think about the way Dominguez is pitched, if Alvarado is rested in the right spots, Eflin is rested in the right spots, David Robertson in the right spots. And those things will be available to you with Wheeler and Nola going in game one and two, because you you're probably going to be in a situation where I assume Valdez and Verlander will pitch well, too. But you're three, two, four, three. even, Even if it's that high, you're in a game. That's what you, those two dudes are going to do on both sides. They're going to get you to where you need to get. Now, those guys still got to come through, but you're not going to be in the situation you were in in game three of this last series we just saw with the Padres. Where Rob Thompson said, and look, people thought it was wrong at the time. I didn't necessarily have a problem with it because I, I would rather you be too urgent than not urgent enough. But to sit there and go to your horses as much as he didn't ride them like, like Secretariat in game three and not know how the hell you're going to get through it in game four because he's willing to say, okay, well, you know what? If we got a lead. We'll, we'll deal with that. We'll do it. We'll take it. And that was playing it in the game that's in front of you today, not tomorrow or next week. Well, that puts you in a situation where, okay, now what are we going to do? What if Thor didn't just go an inning? What if he had to make a start, right? What if we couldn't use Suarez because we had a ride up in game three, and now we don't have that option in the bullpen. What if because he's a short game three starter or a game two somewhere in that mix, based on the way Rob Thompson's handled things, I got to go to two innings. to Alvarado. Now he's off the board, or Eflin, he's off the board. If I go to Dominguez, who's coming back to save me? Now, those are all questions that happen, and the Phillies have answered those all well but they don't have as many answers to them as the Astros do as an Astros team who, in I don't even know how many machinations back was it 2017 with a lot of these same players had McCullers and Morton in a game I was at in a game seven, go the whole game. Couldn't Charlie Morton go in the last three or four to close a world series out of the pen. That's how deep they've always seemed to be. Now, they're deeper into pitching staff than ever. Go ask a Barroner fan. So Luis Garcia, go for six innings in an 18-inning game. That Philly staff isn't deep enough to pitch it. Now, certainly they don't have to do that, hopefully. But you get my point. Even with those kind of questions, the Astros have all of those kind of answers. The Arquides, the McCullers, so many other guys when they get past Verlander and Framber Valdez. The Abreus and others when you get past the name of Presley. The depth in that rotation, I think, is going to be too much. I wouldn't be surprised if the Phillies won game one in Houston. And Verlander, who sometimes can give it up in terms of the long ball, and this hot lineup runs into the Phillies getting a game one, Wheeler pitch as well, and you're thinking, holy expletive, this is never going to stop this train. But what happens is it this train is not a sprint. It's a marathon for a reason. And whereas last year, the depth was not as much of a factor in terms of the advantage because the Braves had figured things out to deepen their bullpen. The Braves had figured things out in terms of deepening their rotation. I don't know if the Phillies have enough behind that top-heavy with how aggressive Rob Thompson manages. And I like it but that's how he does. He's going to go. He's going to go win and then worry about it. Well, that's easier to do against the San Diego Padres, who left Josh Hader on the shelf for three games for some ungodly reason I'll never understand. I love Beaumel Can't do that. Can't. Mistake. The depth is just too much. Gut says Phillies in six. Brain says Astros in six. Now we got a different game entirely. The only game in town you need to be at noon Eastern is right here. We'll be live again tomorrow. Be here with you. We've got great guests all week, including, as I said, Alex Cora, who will join me. Uh, I'm looking forward to Ned Yost going to hop on board. We're going to have Matt Holliday on this show. John Gibbons, hopefully not for his bed, among others. Many different other folks. Gary Sheffield going to join me during the World Series. So a lot of guys are going to be here and we're going to be here with you chatting about what should be a fun series. I think it's going to give us some length to it, but I got a gut versus brain matchup. I need you to help tweet me at Casey Stern. Let me know where you stand. Hit me up on YouTube. As always, we thank our friends, our guests and the folks who help us because we are presented as always on October unfiltered by our good friends at bed online.
1: At Amica insurance,
2: we know it's more than just a car.